Good day, all listeners. Welcome to Creating a Prayer Culture for God podcast. I am Quentin, the media specialist behind Creating a Prayer Culture for God, and I just wanted to take this moment to welcome each and every one of you and thank each and every one of you all for listening in. If you're new, Creating a Prayer Culture for God is simply a podcast where we're teaching, preaching, and dissecting the Word of God and truly establishing what it is to have a prayer culture and to live a prayer culture. Um, We preach and teach the Word of God. We talk Jesus, some more Jesus, and a whole lot of extra Jesus. So I just wanted to welcome you all to Creating a Prayer Culture for God, and I truly hope that you enjoy it. And for your listening pleasure, this podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, you name it, it's available. So tune in each and every day for new episodes. Welcome again.
47 right now, but we're getting started uh, tonight. And I, and I think you're going to learn some things tonight. So let's just jump in here. Let's pray tonight. Abba, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts for us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is your kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Holy Ghost, now we trust you tonight with this teaching. We trust you tonight to just share revelation. We trust you tonight. Amen. To be able to give us ears to hear, eyes to kind of envision and behold uh, a, a wonderful thing that we learned tonight from the Word. We just thank you right now, Holy Ghost, for taking over, using my tongue, using my mind, using what I've studied, bringing it all back, and allowing it to be a blessing tonight for the hearers on this line, not just here tonight locally with us, not just here who are uh, always here with us, but God, not those that are just members of us, the, the ministries, the local ministries that we pastor. But God, that broader audience tonight, Lord God, we know that there's ministers, we know there's pastors out there, we know there's other leader levels of leadership out there, we know there's others out there that are striving to be leaders, to want to be leaders, want to be preachers, want to be teachers, they want to work in the ministry, and you say you've set gifts in the body, we consider ourselves gifts, myself, Pastor Lester, Pastor Sharon, Pastor Eric, Pastor Stephen, Minister Smith, and Minister Biggers, we consider ourselves to be leaders, oh God. And so we still want to be taught from your word, God, how that we can continue to uh, improve on our skill and our craft and our gifting that you might be pleased, Lord God, as we teach your people, not only, Lord God, by what we say, but what we do and what we live and the preaching that we do, how much of it do we really live? And so, Father, we thank you, praise you tonight. Now order our steps in your word. Holy Ghost, have your way right now. Give ears to hear, hearts to receive, and eyes to hold and see one of the things from your plan of salvation. You be the teacher tonight. You know, we just make ourselves available. We give you praise, Lord, and honor for it right now in the name of Jesus. We offer this prayer tonight to the God above. Amen and amen. All right, again, like I said, we're going to be going into the book of Titus. This is three chapters here, amen, and it strictly deals with leadership. And we're going to look at three purposes or three reasons or three groups of people that Paul wrote this letter to, uh, all concerning leadership, starting from those that are leading and to include himself those that are actually being led, amen, to include himself and anyone else outside of that that think they're leading or think they might be leading, could be doing it the wrong way, amen, could be, you know, in need of some improvement. And so we're going to take a look at that tonight. Not my word, it's God's word, amen. And so we are so thankful, amen, that God has given us these epistles, these letters to teach us, to show us the way so that we can be corrected by the word, amen, so that we don't have to say because man says so. There's too many leaders out there right now when people are reading the Bible under their leadership and there's a question, they never get to ask that question. Sometimes when they do get to ask that question, then what's on your mind? Well, I just had a question, Pastor. I just had a question, Minister. I just had a question, Elder. You know, they'll say, well, do it because I said so. Remember now, I'm the pastor here now. I'm, I'm, I'm the leader here now. And... That's not always the right answer because you say so. No, it's because the word says so. Amen. Amen. And so that's what we want to be able to do to build the case tonight. So that the people, man, are not being ignorantly taught and ignorantly led. Because you have to remember, we are gifts to the body. And we are to edify the people. That means build them up, perfect them, means to mature them for the work of ministry. Not for my own personal ministry. Not to be my personal aid, my personal armor bearer. You know, get my clothes out to clean up. Go get my car washed, back out my car. Throw my Bibles in the church. Get my certain kind of water and orange juice. All those things are great, okay? But ministry is not about me being served. It's about me serving. Serving the people out of the gift that God has called us to. Serving them the Word of God. Serving them uh, the ability to do ministry. Okay, when that time comes, starting with your own stuff. The Pastor Sharon taught us this morning, sometimes the best ministry you're going to do is ministering to yourself, the Word of God. I do it all the time. She do it. We do it all the time. And then it becomes uh, like second nature to minister to someone else when you're 100% sure that you that about your own food that you feed yourself. You know, it's easy to feed it to somebody else when you don't spend first mistake that you tasted it. You'd be like, man, this, this, this looks so good. This is so good. This helps me now to make sure that I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. You know, the word has to instruct those who use the word to instruct others. 
Amen. Amen. Don't just think it's easy. You're going to have to put some time in studying. There are some requirements. There are some things, man, that is required of us as leaders. Maybe unpleasant some things that we might hear tonight for some people. But that's my job. Amen. It is to develop leaders. Because like Pastor Eric and I was talking about earlier today, there's going to come a time when we're going to have to step aside. We just won't be able to go anymore. And God might call us home. And then we want to make sure we leave the body of Christ in good enough shape that all those young people, my grandson, my granddaughter, my daughter-in-law, my, my son, you know, my daughters, and same thing with theirs and ours, they're going to be able to continue, man, to live for God and share this faith with others. And hopefully by the end, they would have matured to a point where their purpose is very clear and they understand, man, that this is what God is, 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 is requiring of me. Amen. Because we're all a born leader. We were born by one of the greatest leaders there is. That was God himself. You know, he allowed us to have that breath when we became a living soul because he is a great leader. We created in his image and life. And so we come here instinctively with those leadership attributes in us. And they just have to be nourished and they just have to be mature. They have to be developed. And that's what we should be doing anyway for the work of ministry. Amen. And it starts with that ministry of reconciliation. You know, I've been reconciled. I need to understand what that's all about. And then I need to be partaker of that so that now I can distribute that, publish that, and share that with others. Amen. There's too much misinformation out there right now. There's too much unfactual stuff. There's too much tradition out there, philosophy out there right now. That's why we have, as we always say, 4,200 different denominations. Everybody's trying to create their own system of righteousness. And people are beginning to drift away from the original word or they're going out, man, writing new Bibles that eliminate a lot of stuff because they want it to fit what they want to say and what they want to do. And they want to be able to tell the people what the people want to hear and not what God wants them to hear. And so we want to take a look. And all my scripture references will be coming out of my good old faith for 1611 King James Bible. Okay, that's as close as you can get to the original text. I got my Strong Concordance here if I need to verify something. I got my comparison, my companion Bible here. I got all my resources laid out here if I need to verify anything. Because uh, I would never come to you without knowing what it is the Word is, is offering us. Amen. I can make up some stuff, but I'm not that kind of leader. I'm sorry. Uh, if I ever share my opinion, I owe you to tell you this is my opinion. Okay? If I ever tell you this is just what I think. Or I might tell you, according to us to hate, and I might come back and tell you at the end of it, eat the meat, throw it bone. That's my opinion. You know, so I'll, I'll be clear about that. But when I say the word of God, I'm going to give you a book, I'm going to give you chapter, and I'm going to give you verse. And it's what, up to you what you do with that, how you ingest and digest that. So those what leaders are supposed to do. Not be afraid. If I don't know something, I would tell you, look, give me some time, I'll look it up, because I will research it. I'll come back with an answer. Amen. Because as preachers, as leaders, we'll always have to study that we may be able to give an answer instant in season and out of season. We don't blow people off. We don't play with people. You're here on this line because you're trying to learn. You're trying to learn more about God so you can help other people know more about Him. Church as a bishop of the church. 
But him and Paul had developed a real good relationship uh, while Paul was in prison, amen, and developed a real good relationship. Matter of fact, Paul actually warned him again to Christ. He was like a, one of Paul's sons in the ministry, and they developed this real strong bond. Now, he only did ministry for about two years. He died. He actually died because there was a couple of things that happened to him during that two years of ministry. But the brother did some incredible work in those two years. Now, there was uh, the reason I, 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 I was drawn to this is because there was a, an eruption of, a, I think it was a volcano that caused some problems that he had to deal with. Okay, the people reacted to that kind of strain. Kind of like around here, man, these days when a when a storm comes through or a volcano erupts somewhere, you get that that that, that black ash or or you get a you get an earthquake and people start freaking out and thinking the world coming to an end. So my man Titus had to deal with some natural disasters too. But then there was a famine that came through. There was some disease that broke out. So he had to deal with that pandemic and that epidemic too. And he had to have some leadership to be able to do to, to be able to deal with calming the people down and providing leadership in that time. So those were two things that really tested him. And he ended up falling ill, and after two years of being in ministry, he died. But man, the implicable work that he did before he died, it was a, it was amazing that he had raised up some more elders in the church, he had raised up some more leaders. So when he died, when he lost the, the battle, man, the church kept on going because he had, he had talked so, so, so much in there about how to be a, how to be a follower until it was time for him to go, the leaders just stepped forward. He had elders in there that could run things. You know, it was amazing. It was amazing how, uh, because of his leadership, they were able to continue. And this took place in A.D. 64 and 66. As you can see, there's just about two years, uh, or sometime after Paul wrote to Timothy and either first or second Timothy, this letter right here was written. Amen. And there's three really epistles that Paul wrote that deal with leadership in the church specifically, and that is Titus is one of them, then First Timothy and Second Timothy, and we might get into those two books too later on. But he wrote this letter to Titus, okay, the one that was honored, okay, by God, well, honored with leadership, honored to be a bishop, honored to lead the church, honored that Paul could put him in charge of the church to continue to work, because Titus was now ordained as a pa as a pastor. Man, I, I just got blessed when I saw him as a pastor, looked at myself as a pastor, looked at Pastor Stephen, Pastor Eric as a pastor. And I was just so good. I was just I was just, I felt so good about it that man, God, we, we, we see this already. You know, we found out what to kind of expose these things and talk about these things, God. And now you're showing them to us by this pastor right here. So God, I thank you that some of the things we're doing is lining up with the word, supported by the word. It's documented. And that's why I wanted to shed some light on it as we go forward. So Titus is, is, is the recipient of this letter that Paul wrote, okay? And he wrote it to him like he was his own son uh, after faith. Wanted to please God by faith, as we heard this morning. And so Paul trying to please God by faith. Now Paul runs into this real trusted brother, pastor, make him a pastor, going to make him a bishop after a while. And because he went around just like Paul, Paul started building churches, establishing churches, and now Paul is in prison, so now he's got a trusted bishop that he can put all that work in, in charge of all that work and tell him to go forth and build up people, make sure you train people how to be leaders, because if something happens to you, like it's already happened to me, we got leadership in place. Amen. Uh, one of the blessings that we have as pastors, Pastor Sharon and I, when we were able to go do things, go visit uh, other, uh, like Pastor Phoebe, Pastor Aaron, and be a part of special programs that they had. We used to be able to take off and go up into the mountains to our annual Hunger for Him conference. We had trusted leaders like Minister Smith and Minister Biggers, who you're going to hear from this weekend. That man, no, 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 no problem. Because we felt like we had to develop such a bond and trust in them that they knew what to do. We could just say, hey, y'all got it, you know. We trust it, and we could just go do that and uh, not be worried about it. Amen. And so this is kind of what God is, is wanting to see right now, I believe, in the ministry. And so this was written, like I said, in Corinth, because that's where Paul was in prison. And Paul had three main reasons for why he wrote this letter to Titus. These are problems now when I lay this out that were going on in the church. Number one, this is important, he wrote this letter to Titus, who was a pastor now, getting ready to be a bishop and take over this church that Paul had founded, to warn against false teachers. 
My God, isn't it amazing, man, that God is warning us prophetically today against false teachers, false prophets, false teaching, false, you know, prophesying, lying to the people, all these lying words. We did a teaching just a few days ago about not trusting in lying words. Not only is that in the White House, but that's in the church house, too. You know, and I'm saying this because I want those ministers out there to hear me. You know, when you start putting more emphasis on your tradition than you do the word of God, those words are lying words. You're lying to the people. You're deceiving the people. Your tradition never rises above the authentic, infallible word of truth. Jesus never said, I want you to know the tradition of men. He said, I want you to know the truth. That's in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And I want that truth to make you free. And then he goes on in the, in the latter verse and say, and if the sun sets you free, then you're free indeed. Tradition ain't going to free nobody. It's going to bring more abundance. And so this is what I love about this, is that Paul wanted to warn uh, him about those false teachers, amen, that was going to come in. And now that Paul is in prison and, and, and Titus is now new in leadership, just like Timothy, I love this man. Uh, just like we warn you and all our listeners out there on these different podcasts and all out there across the world that's under leadership right now, just because you've got the biggest $60,000 church you know, in the world does not mean that you operate according to the word of God. It's just nothing. I mean, you can do a whole lot of things, man, to bring people together and keep them interested. But we were talking earlier, man, about if, if all this anointing is out there, then why do we have all these problems that are not being done? Why are we not putting down these strongholds? Why are we not seeing uh, man, these prophets and these teachers, man, that we're talking about right now, Man, these dudes bought terror, man. I mean, vipers would bite them in the poison. Some of the poisonous snakes latched on the Paul. Paul shook that thing off, man, and didn't miss a beat. You look at some of the Elijahs and Elijahs. Man, those guys, man, stood up to, to, to power. They spoke truth. They brought kings to their knees. You know, they saw they saw, they saw saw God open up the earth and swallow up about 3,500 people. These, these people had power, you know. They took on stuff. They represented God. They didn't back down from nobody. They even were mortars. They even had their heads stopped off. They were sawed in half. They were hung upside down. They were burned at stake. They went through all of this, man, because the people feared the power of God that was on their lives. And when they spoke, they always said, Thus says the Lord, or the word of the Lord came unto me. And they go out there talking about, you know, my philosophy, give me an amen, ha. No, they went out there, man, and said, thus says the Lord, got everybody's attention. More than anything, when they said that, they said a president, they got God's attention. I said, oh, yeah, that's my prophet right there. Do my prophet no harm. You know, do my anointing no harm. Do my prophet no harm. You know, that's not my anointing. You know, this stuff running around out here now, man, talking about ain't got no power. They, they, they got a lot of philosophy. They got a lot of conversation. But they ain't got no power, you know. You know, we learned the other day, man, in First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, he said, look, the kingdom of God is not just in word only. You can come up with a whole lot of words, but he says also in power. You know, we need to be able to speak that word with that apostolic authority, that anointing. Then it begins to, it be, it be powerful then, as Paul said in Acts 4, 12. Powerful than any two-edged sword, you know. And so that's what Paul is, 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 is doing here. He's saying, warning him against these false teachers, man. They ain't got no power. They got philosophy. They got excellency of speech. They got their degrees. They got all this all this flamboyant, you know, charisma. But he said, hey, but they ain't got no power, you know. He said, I'm, I'm telling you this so that next, number two, to set in order the organization of the church and the behavior of the believer. They have everything in there out of control. Everybody in there cannot be the hate. Everybody can't be the pastor. You know, 19 interpretations of somebody speaking tongues. Out of order. Out of order. Scripture said that should be at least a three. No more than that. Now, man, you got, you know, everybody got to wear. Everybody want to prophesy. Everybody. Go to some of these places, man. All of a sudden, man, he come, you got you got a conference. And they got to bring in, man, 19 prophets and, and five or six other bishops and got the platform just loaded down with people with all these titles. And you got six people, man, coming there throwing money for healing and walking out of there sicker than when they came. You know, if we got all this power, you know, or do we have the gift of gal? But we learn how to beg for money and they put guys down like us out there. They call us, man, we, we small time. 
you know. They don't want they don't want to, they don't want to hear what we got to say. But we don't have no title. We ain't got no big, you know, five hundred thousand, you know, dollar cars and, and, and suits and all that houses and that kind of stuff. But they call us small town. Money never values what you mean to God. How much money you can raise, how big a church you can build, it does not impress the God we serve. It might impress people. Jesus told them, disciples, when they were showing him all that stuff that they had built, he said, look, before I come back, all that stuff going to be a pile of rubble anyway. You know, he said, signs and wonders follow those who believe. Mark, the book of Mark chapter 16, verse 16 through 17. Signs and wonders follow those who believe. In my name, they cast out demons, devils. In my name, they lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. In my name, if they drink any deadly poisonous thing, this old, this old poison contaminated, watered down false teaching out here. Prosperity methods, aggressive begging, greed, filthy lucre. He says, you can get contaminated with that right there. He said, look, it won't come near you to harm you. And you will speak with a new tongue. We speaking with a different tongue right now. Don't want to hear this. Anybody preaching this. That's why you don't hear much about Titus. But Titus is getting ready to get busy on some stuff. It's time for us to find our voice. And if we're going to preach the gospel, let's preach and teach it under the power and leading and guidance and anointing of the Holy Ghost that we can get some yoke broke off some people. We're not afraid of the devil. The devil is under our feet. We're not in fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. You know. And we will walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. After that, he's come upon us. We shall receive power. He has come upon us, and we have received power. Power to go be a witness, according to the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Unto Jesus first. I got a witness to him so we can get that approval. Why is that so important? When Jesus got baptized in Matthew, the third chapter, when, when John baptized him, remember what the Father said. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He had to get that approval. He couldn't go out there in the desert, man, and fight against Satan and ignore him. He had to get that approval. That's why the first somebody we witnessed to when the power come on us is back to Jesus. So we can get that approval. You know, now we can go out and witness to everybody else. You know, you go read Acts and see who the first people we spoke to witness to. It's him. The first somebody that Jesus witnessed when he came by that water was his father. And the father said, that's my beloved son of whom I'm well pleased. Now he was led in the wilderness. He was full of the Holy Ghost and full of power. Led by the Holy Ghost. Full of power. You know, we're going to go up against stuff because, you know, we're going to be led by the Holy Ghost and full of power. Great is he. That dude was power. You know, them the kind of leaders that the Lord is looking for right there, not only in word, but also in power. And so the third thing is uh, here that he addressed was to encourage Titus to proclaim the message, this is important here, of sound doctrine. What is documented? Don't don't be don't be publishing it if it's not documented. You get yourself in trouble. And a lot of folks done got themselves in trouble. Because right now you don't hear nothing. You hear us. But you were hearing us before this pandemic. But the voice of a lot of these leaders, man, they went silent. They don't know what to say in this crisis. They don't know what to do. They're just making up stuff. They're coming up with stuff. This is the time your leadership got to shine through. You got to get people through. You got to tell people how to get a breakthrough. You got to tell people how to deal with this thing right now. The guy sitting in the White House is not the voice of God. I don't care what they say about him. The church... People in charge of the church, my Peter, you know, my 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 my, my Paul, my Timothy, my Titus. Where's your voice right now? You're the one I'm depending on. You're the one that's got the word of truth. You're the one that's got the Holy Ghost. And he goes on and he warns them of those three things right there because that was the purpose right there. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, so so we see here Paul is concerned about things right here. So let's go over here now and look at verse number one in the first chapter here and let's just kind of uh, look at what the word is saying here. Uh, you know, this is uh, a new ministry that Paul is getting ready to introduce to Titus. Uh, Titus was a well-known person. He had a great reputation. People respected him. He had all kinds of leadership attributes and qualities already. 
He loved God. They had a relationship with God. And Paul was drawn to him, and he was drawn to Paul. He was interested in what Paul, the ministry that Paul had, fixing the problems in the church. And Paul, and the, and the, the brother was seasoned. He was not a young man. He was an older man. So he had been around. So he had some experience. You know, be careful, you know, what God said, what he's going to do in the last day with his old men. Be very careful, you know. Be very careful. All of them ain't out there, man, trying to act like they're 15, chasing them young girls. It rains in the ear. There's some out there, man, on their knees praying because they know the power, where the power of God is at. You know, they just got to have a dream and a vision that matches up with what God's trying to do. And that'll happen. I mean, that'll happen, you know. And so, let's look at what, I mean, look at Moses behind the mountain for 40 years. For 40 years, back there, had scared, thinking somebody, thinking a posse coming looking for him. Living in fear. All the family back there, you know, back there with Jeffro, married his daughter, you know, he thought he, he, he living a good life back there, 40 years, now he's 80 years old, and the Lord comes to him, man, now talking about going back and freeing his people. You sure, God, you got the right, oh boy, my seed was in you from, the, from a long time ago. Your mother preserved that seed in you, boy, when she put you in that basket. Some of you, man, came here with a seed in you. We don't, some of you, let me tell you something. Some of us came here with a with a defined, specific calling on our lives. But we have wasted so much time with false teaching, false preaching, spending our will, until none of those gifts have been developed in you. None of those callings have been recognized in you. In the book of Acts, the sixth chapter, when Paul and them were so concerned about doing work in the church, making sure they ran and took groceries to grandma. Made sure they took care of the widows. Made sure they did everything. Made sure the tables were right. The flowers were right. Made sure the, the floors were swept. Made sure the water that the pastor liked to drink out of the pitcher was right. <clears throat> they were doing all that stuff. And the Lord spoke to them and said, pull yourself away. Look out among you. Find some folks that can do that stuff. And you go lend yourself to the study of the word. And prayer. And fellowship. That you might be able to find out what your calling is. Scripted in the word. You ain't gonna get no calling because you went to some conference and you sold a five hundred dollar seat and somebody laid hands on you and poured some oil on you and told you what your calling was. It doesn't work that way. If it do, you'll be the first one that that did it. The Bible said the Lord told them He sent them to study the word and stay in prayer and study the word until you discover your calling. And that's what they did. So what makes you think we're going to be able to be away there and go another way? This is the stuff that Paul was telling Titus that got to be fixed in the church. You can't just call your friend or, you know, or your buddy's man in, in the in the Sarag gang, you know, in the white dress or the black student, the white tie group, you know, the, the Illuminati group or the, you know, or the group of, you know, the, the brotherhood, they say. You know, those are no qualifications, man, according to this word, man, to put people in leadership. But we're seeing this more and more right now. We're getting away from the scripture. And this is why people, man, are lives are, are, are barely almost shipwrecked. Money gone, broke. None of them promises that you got from the last 15 conferences that ever came to pass, they ain't going to come to pass. I don't care how much they get up there and stomp the floor and ask you for three amens and say, ha. Got to be some dust says the Lord. It's got to be some, you know, the word of the Lord came to me. If you're in the Word, you'll know that's how it happened. Not just because somebody told you, uh, you know, your great-granddaddy was with us, so, you know, you're going to be the next in line. All these other qualifications, you know, just taking over. Teaching that false prophecy, 
That stuff out there that ain't backed up and supported by the word, ain't documented in the word. I don't care how many titles you put on yourself. You can call yourself bishop to the ninth degree. You can call yourself apostle to the fifth degree. I don't care. There are qualifications that God has put in stone here in this word if you're going to operate in ministry and leadership. And so it behooves you to go take a look and measure up and say, man, am I, am I operating according to the word? Or am I just doing my own thing? Or am I going by what some man told me? Or some woman told me? Or some false prophet or false teacher told me? It's time for us to examine ourselves out there, leaders, preachers, you know. Find your voice. And so let's look at what Paul starts out here by saying. It's a great call. Paul recognized that. He getting ready to trust this man called Titus. And Titus met a lot of qualifications that impressed Paul. Paul wasn't no joke, y'all. Paul was not been to put no title on nobody based on status, how much money you had, you know, what kind of car you drove, and they didn't have cars back then, you know, whatever kind of camel you drove or whatever. Paul did not look carriage. Paul didn't pay no attention to that stuff. Mm-mm. Paul knew that those were not qualifications. Paul wanted to know what was in your character. Paul wanted to know could you be trusted with this car? Are you going to go try to create your own right? Are you going to go try to lead these people away? In other words, there were signs that God showed to Paul of people that Paul could recognize really had been elected by God. You, can, you know, something about when you know you're called to God and you've got a man or a woman of God who can recognize that because they've been in the scripture. They can see that. You know, they can see that. They can discern that. And that's what Paul was able to do with Titus. Let's, let's look at what he said right here. Verse 1. He said, Paul, a servant of God. That's important now. How you going to be able to select somebody and you ain't even a servant of God? That's the first qualification. If you ever going to raise up leaders, identify leaders' potential, you got to be a servant of God yourself. Notice what he said now. A servant of God. Not some person with a title, pastor, pastor, bishop that's being served. Paul, a servant of God. And an apostle. So he was a, the highest officer, Pastor Jerry, that ranked above apostleship, was a servant. And the servant is capitalized there, you know. I mean, oh, it stands out there. It's, it's higher. It's above being an apostle. He said, first, a servant of God, and then an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to this, according to the faith of God's elect. According to the faith of God's elect. Now let me use let me let me break this word right here down because this is so important right here. This is God's elect, according to God's elect. Amen. This is not elect ladies. This is not where how people have taken this and used it, find themselves titled. You don't want to call your wife a pastor. You want to call a first lady. You want to call a lady elect. You know, just taking the script all out of context, man. Putting your own spin and twist on it. Let me deal with this right now, this word right here. This says God elect, according to God's elect. In other words, Paul is understanding historically here what this word means. Now he is coming to a revelation, and Paul is understanding, when I did not know that I had already been chosen by God, I did ignorant things to please man. But now I'm looking back at my history, and Paul said, it is obvious to me that I was chosen by him before the foundation of the world. It was predestined for me. And so Paul is understanding this now as he's looking back over his life. You know. You know. And he goes on to understand what this word means. It's a, it means it applies to elect, applies to a certain people, even though they are still sinful and, you know, they act of... They, as, as an act of God's saving grace apart from the shortcomings, okay, or the will of man, God decides who he's going to let, right. <clears throat> who he's already chosen. Just like Israel. Israel fell into that category of being a, the elect of God because he chose them before the foundation of the world. Guess what, saints? Don't try to guess who the elect of God is. Some people are living in sin right now if a category... Is, is categorized as the elect of God. They just don't know it. They might spend the rest of their time on this earth and never know it. And never know it. But that's on them. 
But once the revelation happens, Paul was on the road to Damascus when he got, you know, interrupted by the one who had chosen him before the foundation of the world, changed his life. Now he's able to address Titus because he's seeing some of the same similarities, Pastor Sharon, in Titus that Paul saw in himself. That it was something about this particular vision, about this potential pastor that Paul recognized and he saw so many of God-like attributes, so many of God-like characteristics in him. One of the things that Paul saw in him is this, that this man had the ability to serve. And Paul was drawn to him because of that. He had saw him actually serving people. That's what Titus was doing. you know. Right. And he was able to see that obviously God has already chosen this man to be a servant you know, before, before the foundation of the world. It should be obvious to us the people that God has chosen if we are servants. Why? Because God wants you to be able to be right when you select somebody. He wants you to be able to be right when you trust somebody. You can't just turn the ministry over to anybody, like a lot of people are doing. You know, somebody come into church is so big, they thought I want to meet with the pastor. No, you're going to have to see brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, deacon so-and-so. You know. You know. And they end up making a mess out of the situation. You put the business all over the street. You know. But that's what that means right there, okay? They can be... It's as simple as they want to be. But if God has already chosen them from the foundation of the world, predestined them, that's the elect. And there are people out there, we don't know who they are. Don't try to guess who they are. Sometimes I feel like, since I've known what this word means, I feel like at 65 and a week or two, obviously, man, <laughs> the life that I have lived, and God to tell me, man, at this late stage, I have never, ever forsaken you. I've been with you from the foundation of the world, keeping you. I can look at some of you, and I cannot disqualify you as being the elect of God. But I can't sit here and tell you that you are, because I'm not God. You know, I'm not God. What I can do is teach you this word and let you search these scriptures, and you will know, you know, God has got to reveal it to you, you know. But if we don't teach you this word, you don't understand what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it's saying, you might miss your calling. You just might miss your calling, you know. Your calling is not to go throw $500 on somebody's feet to get a new house. Your calling, number one, if it's about God, is to be a servant. And number two, Paul is an apostle, but you might not, you might not get to be an apostle. But there was a calling. He said, I call all of you to be ministers of reconciliation. Can you reconcile somebody right now in your calling? Can you reconcile somebody right now without a title? Look now, Paul was a servant before he got a title. He was a servant of God. Can you be content being a servant of God? Well, you ain't going to be content because you're telling yourself, well, I'm not a minister. You know, oh, I'm not a pastor, I'm not this, I'm not that. You worried about the wrong thing? How good are you at being a servant of God? That was the number one thing that allowed Paul to see another servant. To see how he had been elected by God. Before Paul ever gave the man a chance to be a pastor, guess what Titus was doing? He was already drawn to Paul, he was helping Paul, he was supporting Paul. He understood what Paul was trying to do because that's what, that's what he wanted to do. You know, and it was obvious, it was obvious. The purpose was to stir up believers. See, Paul was, was doing what he was doing because, you know, Titus had a great reputation. He didn't have a great reputation for being a great preacher, a great teacher. He was just a good man who loved God. You know, and Paul wanted to use Titus because people respected him, his reputation, before he ever called, got called into the ministry. And Paul recognized this. And Paul wanted to use this election here to stir up other believers. To stir them up for what? Because they had a purpose that they weren't walking in. Yeah. They had a purpose that they weren't living up to. Some of them didn't even care. They were content. As long as don't nobody bother me, let me clean, let me clean, you know, the bathroom in the church. I'm good. Don't come to me talking about no leadership. You know, don't come to me. I think not me. You know. So you really want to be, you really want to serve God? Stop telling God how to use you. 
and just say, God, I want to be used by you. If I tell God what you, you know, let God decide. He know your qualifications. He know whether he elected you before the foundation of the world. And if he did, guess what? He's going to provide you with all the ability to get the job done. It starts with him setting gifts in the body, giving you passes out his own heart to build you up, not tear you down, because you're, you're doing too good a job, but that's yourself. Hiding in the bathroom. You know. Or wherever you hide in the parking lot. We, go, we drive by churches sometime on Sunday morning, man. And we see all them dopes out there with road with road guard vests on out there in the parking lot smoking cigars, cigarettes. You know, they, they glorify God out there, man, in the parking lot. So every car drive by can see them. And every anniversary, deacon's anniversary, them dopes going to the man getting deacon of the year. I was like, when are they going to go in the church and hear some worry? Well, they're part of that little group. That little, that little brotherhood. So they already feel like they've already died and went to heaven. You know, they don't, they don't have to be in there getting no word. They don't have to do nothing different. This my parking lot. I'm the head deacon. I'm the head of They will throw down on you, man, if you try to tell them otherwise. Don't come up in there and don't park like they tell you. They might cut. But they servants now. But who are they serving? Are they serving God? Got some big tags on. They don't save money. They fish fries about them big gold things. Head usher. Head deacon. They want to be seen, man. So let's go a little further. He said, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after what? Godliness. So there's a purpose right there. Okay, so it has to be in faith, okay, faith in, in, in God's elect and in the knowledge of the truth. That's the key right there. It don't matter. If it ain't generating faith as God's elect, somebody that was chosen by God already before the foundation of the world, you don't know, don't qualify yourself. Let God qualify you. He'll, he'll reveal it to you. How is he going to do it, Pastor? Look at what he says right there. Acknowledging of the truth, which is after Godliness. Back and they said, I, I, I think I can give this man a little blessed. Mm -hmm. Ding! 
that cash out because you've been taught to throw a seed. Ain't heard no word. Ain't heard no truth. And then you click on the video and they still echoing going over with the page that you just read. You know, I'm on here, man, to hit me a word. I'm hurting right now. I'm locked in. Give me some truth. You know, give me some truth. I need some truth right now. He says, why? It's because I want some hope. I want my hope to be restored. Hope of eternal life with God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Now you're seeing the connection. Before the world began, God had already promised that this was going to happen. That Paul was going to be talking to Titus and, and preparing him to become a bishop while Paul is in prison. Before the world began now. Look at that. Before the world began, there was a message sent by God to his son Jesus to be delivered to mankind about eternal life in him. In hope of eternal life which God, that cannot lie, promised before the foundation of the world. Verse 3, he goes on to say, But hath in due time, listen to this, manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me, Paul is saying, according to the commandment of God, our Savior. Paul said, so I had this revealed to me, through the word of God. When was it revealed to you, Paul, through the word of God? And I secretly said, get away from them tables. Let them, somebody else do that stuff. You go back and study the word. You and the elders, the apostles, y'all go study the word. Because I want you to build my people up. Your gifts to the body. And perfect them for the work of ministry. And that's where Stephen was one of those deacons. Stephen was one of all those deacons. All those people were the ones who took care of taking care of the people. But guess what? They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They had a word in them while they had been with Paul and them, so they knew the word. It wasn't them deacons that sat out there with a cigar in their mouth. Man, when they stoned Stephen, man, hey, Stephen, uh-uh. You ain't going to take my testimony. As you say, you, 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 you ain't going to get my faith. You ain't going to get the, the, the substance of my faith. You ain't going to get my word. You know, you know. You know, see, Stephen had this thing before Paul got it. Now Paul got it. <laughs> Paul wants somebody else to get it. You know. And so, but, he, but he's saying, look, it was because of the word of God. That's the key right there. It was revealed through the word of God. Then he goes on to say, through preaching. Okay. Entrusted into the hands of Paul and other believers. This is what Paul is saying to Titus right here. This is what he's, he's saying to him. Listen at this argument. He goes on 9 verse 4 and he says this. To Titus. My own son, after the common faith. Paul is saying, this is what we have in common. This man loves God like I love God. You know, he's ready. He's ready to be a servant. He's ready to be that pastor. He's ready to be left in charge. He's demonstrated this. The title, the one that is being honored by God. Okay? He says, he's my own son after the common faith. Not because he can get my clothes out to clean them, wipe my car. Carry my Bible. Paul said it's after the same common faith. The same one I got my faith in, he got his faith in. The same one I got my confidence in, he got his confidence in. We have this in common. And Paul said that's probably no temptation that comes to him to have him come to me that's common to everybody anyway. Paul said we got this in common just like we got everything else in common. We serve in God, you know. Then he goes on to say, the title, mine own son, after the common faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Look at what Paul is saying. This man is going to get the same reward that I get because of that. His reward was bearing sons in the faith. That's what Paul was about. Paul had faith right now that this was another opportunity for him to raise up another son just like Timothy. Paul knew he was going to be arrested now. He was in prison. But he said, I'm going to spend this time right now making sure I got people trained so that when they do arrest me, that the, the gospel is still going to be preached. Let's do like two more verses, then we're going to end this right here. And so now we want to take a, a look here at uh, what is true, what is false, and be able to recognize it from the word, not because I said it's true and I said it's false, but I want you to be able to recognize it 
you know, because there is some true people out there that do ministry, and there's some out there that's far away from the truth and the east still from the west, and they know it. Verse 5, he says, but this cause, Paul said, I left thee in Crete, because Crete was where, where, where Titus was from. And Paul said, I left you there as a bishop because Crete had some problems. Remember, false teachers were there. Remember the organization of the church and the believers, how they were acting. Remember the three things that Paul said, you know, that, 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 he, that he wrote them about? Because they weren't proclaiming the message of sound doctrine. They had a doctrine going on, but it wasn't sound. You know? And so Paul is saying, look, that's why I left you in Crete, because they had some problems. And there was a critical need in the church. All churches right now at this time have a critical need. And it ain't to require people to give more money. It's to get a, a, a solid foundation under them just in case they die and just manage them eternal life is secure. They say, got to prepare them now. And people are dying, over 80,000 of them. How many of them you know for a fact that were saved? Was ready for eternal life? We just, we just wait for the door to be open. I'm not worrying about preparing people, man, to live and not die. So let's go just a little bit further here. Uh, finish this. He says that thou shouldest set in order the things that are what? Wanting and ordained elders and ordained elders in every city as I had appointed thee. You know, to set things in order. That's number one. You got to be able to trust people. They'll set things in order and to appoint elders to do what? To minister. The minister. Okay, verse number uh, 60 says this. <clears throat> if any be blameless, that's a disqualifier. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of what? Riot or unruly. For a bishop must be what? Blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. So you got to have some family qualifications. Can't be abusing your wife, got her sitting on the corner, she better not say nothing. Treat her like a first lady, a lady elect, but not like a woman of God, like a servant of God. My wife's a servant of God. And she's a pastor. You know, listen what he's saying right there. You got to get your family stuff right. Blame it. Husband of one wife. Can't be up in that man. Too many of these bishops and so-called people, man, divorcing a wife, man, that, that, that's not the wife God. And then marry somebody young and all that stuff, man. The church secretary is crazy what's going on right now. Every year, man, you hear about a certain bishop, man, that got another wife. Well, he just married that girl. And some of them go through a couple of wives and then get promoted to bishop. I'm like, that's a qualification to become a bishop? Not making this stuff up. And they don't think nothing about it. And in the congregation, we ain't been taught nothing about the They ain't got no truth. They'll jump up and say, well, you know, they're just a man. And you know what the Bible says. We all sin and come start to glory with God. But what about the qualification, the family qualification that God is saying before you put that title on them? You know, what about that? What about the critical need of the church? The need of the church is not to have somebody going through all the single women in the church. Not to be swapping wives like you swap shoes. No, but it is to do what? It is so, so that you can appoint leadership, so that you can ordain leadership. But if you ain't no leader, it'd be kind of hard to do. You know, so we got family qualification. Now let's talk about personal qualification in verse 7, and I'm finished for tonight. His personal qualifications, this is what Paul said, for a bishop must be blameless, okay, as the steward of God. Be a good steward of what God has given you until God decides to give you something else to do. What he is, he's the overseer and steward of what? God's work. That's why I say this work is so important. We can't just throw anything. I can't. We can't just throw anything at you. We can't. We can't do that. We got to stand before God. So we can't just throw anything at y'all. It ain't enough to do that. We don't get no pleasure out of seeing you fail and we succeed it. That's what Paul is saying right here. You got family qualifications, you got personal qualifications. You know, that you are supposed to be an overseer of the steward, or steward of the work that God has called you to do. And he said, 
There are things that you are not to be, and he tell you what they are. Not to be self-willed, not to be angry, not given to wine, not to strike or always arguing, and, and you the, you the guy that's creating all the argument and creating confusion, not given to filthy lucre. And then he goes on in verse 8, and we'll pick that up the next time I teach of what he is supposed to be, and what those qualifications are supposed to be. So we thank the Lord tonight for just a good understanding about leadership, uh, what leadership is supposed to look like in the church, to address the problems in the church. Amen. The false teaching in the church, the disorganization in the church, how the